Howdy. Thanks for listening to Let the Movie Speak. Before we get started, uh, we'd like to ask a favor of you. It's a simple favor. If you could just rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen, that might help other ears get into our ecosystem here and hear another episode. Anyway, enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Let the Movie Speak. Uh, this is our second season. It's our mini-series uh, on heist films. And uh, we have a very interesting little uh, ugly duckling orphaned stepchild sort of film to discuss today. Not one that I'm sure you uh, saw on all the billboards and in theaters, but uh, interesting nonetheless. My name is Travis. I am Justin. J. Other things. W. Okay. J. W. J. Walk. J. Walk here with T. J. Truck. That's that's us. Uh, Jabberwocky. How are you, Justin? You know, I'm a little hungry, but I feel mm. like that gives me the edge I need for professional podcasting yeah. of our caliber and nature. I'm hoping that the uh, the dinner that I apparently did not consume enough of will drive me to very deep philosophical um, musings yeah. akin to the kind of starving artist trope. So uh, buckle up, everybody, and hopefully I won't be dead by the end of the episode or maybe I mean we might get a lot of lessons if I if I do perish if you so, die on this episode um, we are going straight to the top of the iTunes new podcast is that right yeah that's the, no the, I oh, think wow. it's in the fine print like if you just if, if one person dies it bumps you up several slots for for Apple podcasts so do your best to die wow. I don't uh, know why I didn't die a long time ago it's yeah weird. that's true I don't need you. So I don't know what we're even doing here. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're going to uh, get into 2008's uh, crime drama heist thing, meta noir <laughs> kickboxing feature. Uh, it's not really a kickboxing movie, but it has the man himself, Jean-Claude Van Damme. So we're going to get into that in a couple minutes here. But before we do, uh, let's talk about what we watched this week. Justin, what did you watch this week? Hi. Oh, we're not doing the introduction again? Hi, I'm Justin. No, uh, you're Jaywalk. Oh. We got it. We got it, Jaywalk. What'd you watch this week, oh. Jay- Jabberwocky man? Thanks. Thanks, broski. Uh, this week, I uh, had the privilege, honor, um, something of watching... Brian Regan, uh, American comedian, do his latest stand-up special, which is called On the Rocks, and Mm. I think available on Netflix, if not elsewhere. Uh, Called On the Rocks, I think, because he's performing live at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Mm -hmm. Colorado. Uh, Don't know if you've ever been there or seen that but uh i have been there and it was it's pretty cool if i do say so myself Mm. so anyway um uh if you like brian regan um or observational comedy and let's get real who doesn't (laughs) okay then that might be your your jam um he is uh he it i think this special takes a little while to get going even for brian Uh, i'd say the first 10 minutes are a little like you know do i need to not do I need to turn this off. That sounds pretty harsh, but Jeez, um, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not quite on top of his game um, as he has been. Uh, I've seen had the privilege of seeing him live, and he was kind of on fire 
as the children say, Los yeah. Niños. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I have seen his other specials, too. Um, anyway, this one does turn out to be pretty, pretty funny, uh, which I think is the technical term, you know, when you're reading, like, people write about comedians, like, pretty funny. well, he's pretty funny, and then that's it, you know, it's just a byline. That's so, it. whatever. But, uh, no, um, what is, I think, interesting to note, though, about this special is that um, Brian Regan kind of takes the, um, I feel like there's this current trend in, in comedy, Travis, I don't know how many years old it is now, and it, you know, I mean, with comedy, you know, and, and with just art in general, nothing is really ever new, right? It's already been done, but it seems very prevalent today that comedians use the state, some comedians, not every single one, okay, don't get, don't get it cross-wired, um, but uh, there's a, a fair amount of comedians that seem to use the stage as an opportunity just to maybe talk about uh, really something traumatic from their life and try to use that as a joke in some way or talk about their neuroses or their obsessions or, you know, things that are generally not perceived as something you would want to tell anybody, let alone an audience, but they they, they spin that as kind of a self-therapy tool, perhaps. Um, so Brian does a little bit of this, but in his own way. I don't know if you've you know seen Brian at all. He's not. He doesn't really go dark. Right. So it's uh it's pretty mild, but but clearly in that vein. Um, and so and none of his previous stuff, at least that I'm aware of, has really touched uh, a toe into those kind of waters. So just interesting to see that he's kind of hopping on that bandwagon um, mm. for better and for worse. Again, if you if you like his style um, or just want to try out a new comedian, I'd I'd recommend it. Uh, and that that's about all I have, sir. Um, so, so what do you got is this it week? Like akin to Jerry Seinfeld getting up and being like, "Here's the thing about my therapist." Is it like, <laughs> is it like that? Yeah, it, kind of. It's more like uh, you know, I uh, I didn't know what uh, obsessive compulsive disorder was, so. I had to Google it, and ah. uh, then I decided to make a flow chart of all the symptoms and rank them by level of severity. Yeah, and so you know, it's uh, it yeah, it's it's it is related. It's a relative, I think, of Seinfeld's, um, but uh, yeah. maybe just by marriage. It seems like uh, so like in in possibly good goodwill to some degree, at least, unless it's just looked at as a marketable trend in comedy. Some of that, some of that can be good, right? Like, and I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. spitballing here. Like, if the idea is mental illnesses of any stripe are, you know, they have a, a stigma, and people are afraid to talk about them at all. And I do think people get like that about mental illness. Like, you know, I've had people in our family and kind of friend sphere who have had like a mental breakdown or something and no one knows what mm. to say you know they're like right are, right are they okay you know so i feel like comedians right they they do a lot of their working out the way they process the world and how pe- making people laugh at you know whatever's happening in life so some of that, to some degree, could be good, right? I mean, I I, I don't think this is a, this is not the podcast yeah. or the conversation where we're going to be like, you know what, we fixed it, guys. We put comedy back on the right tracks, and everybody who has mental health problems, uh, you're fine too. Uh, I think right. It, it it is, although like you called it a trend, and I think that's right because it seems like like old fashioned jokes that are just well constructed and well delivered. It's almost like not an not enough. It either has to be like you know the the most crass like insane stuff you've ever heard, and that's kind of one brand of comedy. Or you have like the bare my soul to the audience, and let me let me show you right. my deepest darkest corners of my mind. And I think that's sort of what you're getting at. Um, but yeah, uh, I haven't watched much stand up comedy lately, but but I do. I think I am aware of the phenomenon. Yeah, and it's not, and I don't point that out to be like, you know, what a sellout. Or so, like, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Trends trends come and go. And I don't really, I, I watched it and I, I realized that, but it didn't make me think less or, or more of him, really. Yeah. You know, it's just interesting to, I, I'm sure, tr- trend, trends in any genre, right? I mean, what, are we going to like criticize the Rolling Stones for listening to the Beatles or, you know, to Elvis? Or, I think it would be kind of stupid, right? You know, like, oh, they kind of got on the rock bandwagon too, didn't they? <laughs> um, not very original. You know, it's just that that falls a little flat, but it's just interesting, I think, that that we are seeing, like like you said, kind of a, 
Like, where is Bob Newhart of today? Yeah. Uh, answer, he doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, and thank goodness Bob Newhart's still alive. I'm sorry, Mr. Newhart. I didn't mean to say you you were not in existence. Oh, look, he's on the line right now. So you oh, can talk gosh. to him. We'll, oh, gosh. We'll keep him on hang hold up. for I'm the next too embarrassed. 45 minutes. Okay, and yeah. We'll you get, can talk to him. We'll get to him at the end. Yeah. Um, Stick around for uh, an exclusive interview with, with 98-year-old Bob Newhart. Yeah, and uh, Tom Hanks is on the... Uh, oh, no, it looks like we lost Tom. So I guess it'll just be an exclusive interview with uh, with Bobby. Yeah, he'll be in there. He can hang. Um, okay, good. Thank you, Mr. Newhart. By the way, um, yeah. So, like you said, it it is just a it is just a trend, um, you know, for better and for worse. And sometimes with with comedy or or with genres, you can kind of see and anticipate. Like, okay, if this is happening, then I can I could see this might be the trend in the next twenty years. You know, like. Uh, Oh, hey, Ronald Reagan's our president. Uh, what could this lead to? And everyone goes, well, Donald Trump, of course. You know? Um, <laughs> and actually, I don't know that anyone said that. Immediately. Or maybe they did and they, they weren't listening to Everyone said, this is this is inevitable. Right. It just seemed kind of like A equals B plus C, you know? That's it. So anyway. The Pythagorean um, quantum theory. Yeah. Right, of astrophysiconomy. That's it. Um, it's like, it's not rocket surgery, people. Come on. No, I mean, come on. Nor is it brain battery. That's it. Um, so, you know, but for, for comedy, like where we are now, you talked about kind of two extremes of, of comedy. And, and of course that doesn't encompass everything, right? Yeah. That's um, just, there's, yeah. there's all kind and there's outliers and there are people that just tell jokes too. But if we look at the, the trends that exist now in those extremes, I, I really have no clue. Like what, what, where does it go from right. here? Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I agree. So for my money this week, uh, I watched a first episode of a new series. Uh, and this is by- WandaVision. <laughs> no more WandaVision. Oh, we're done with that. Okay. Yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, for a while <laughs> I could decompress from the, uh, the universe building, I think, but I decided to Venture into the great vastness of space with Armando Iannucci's new series called Avenue Five. So if you if you're not familiar with Armando Iannucci, he's the guy, he's the brains behind um, a show called In the Thick of It on the BBC, uh, which got turned into a movie called In the Loop here and around the world. But it was a Hollywood movie, uh, and then he went on to do Veep with Julie Louis Dreyfus and Tony Hale. Uh, Tony Hale? That's the guy who plays Buster, right? Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. And uh, and then this movie called The Death of Stalin, which I haven't seen yet, but I think I will really enjoy. So Avenue 5 is this uh, series in the same vein. What he does is sort of mockumentary style. Um, it's not always political. It's like bureaucracy satire more, more than anything. Hmm. Um, so it could be about politics like in Veep. In, uh, in in the loop, it's it's really about just governmental structures. It's not about like political party and rhetoric and that kind of thing. Um, it's really funny writing, uh, searing though. So like if you're a, you know, uh, if 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 any sort of like harsh language uh, doesn't hit your ears the right way, uh, he's not he's not the guy for you in general. But I will say Avenue Five is perhaps the most tame. It's not like an it's not like people are, at least as of yet, hurling the most creative insults at each other that you've ever heard written, but it definitely does poke fun at like the idea of who's in charge. Uh, it's kind of like if Wally was written by Armando Iannucci. It's this like space cruise in the future of people who are going on an eight-week um, orbit around Saturn, I think. Um, and Hugh Laurie plays the captain of the ship. Uh, Josh Gad, who you might know as the voice of Olaf uh, in the Frozen movies, if you're, you know, a, a living, breathing person. He also plays some really obscure character in uh, the Kenneth Branagh version of Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, I think I that's right. I don't know if you, you ever saw that. That was not... You just brought... I'm sorry, you triggered a kind of a like PTSD kind of a not great memory. Yeah, so. I've heard it's not good. It looked... It seemed like it should have been fun, and I heard mostly yes. bad things. Because well, yeah, and I, I think really the evidence for its downfall was right in front of us in form of the trailer. I mean, yeah, go that's on a YouTube, bad folks, trailer. Holy cow. Look at the trailer, and they think it's like super awesome that Kenneth Branagh turns around at the end and says his character's name with his ridiculous mustache. And yes. it's like, that's not, 
That character is never meant to be cool. He's meant to be kind of ridiculous and pretentious. So yeah. thank you for missing the point. Anyway, yeah. I, I digress. Yes. Uh, so Avenue 5, first episode. This is like a 30-minute show. So you watch one episode and you're like, oh, that was scrumptious. And it's over. And you don't have to commit a lot of your life to it. Uh, I rather enjoyed it. It's had some really good... Uh, sharp comedic writing. Everybody in it's really funny. Josh Gad is like amazing. I think there, there's this one bit that I'll just allude to about uh, the ship uh, being out in space and then like the control center being on Earth. And normally we talk about like in technology, sometimes like if you're watching people in the news, there's like a three second delay or, you know, something like that. And they, people have to navigate that. And sometimes it leads to awkward timing. In this show, they have a 26 second delay. Um, and so they have to like speak to each other with 26 second gaps. And I think that that's, it's such a simple joke, but it's also really, they, they, they have fun playing with, with kind of simple setups and, and payoffs like that. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch more of it because it's 30 minutes. It made me laugh. And Hugh Laurie is kind of awesome. Um, so I would recommend giving Avenue five a shot. That's on HBO max. That's all I got, Justin. Should we get into our heist film for this week? Let's go rob it. Rob it. Here we go. What's in the case? That information is necessary. Is it heavy? Is it explosive? Is it chained to some unlucky bloke's wrist? We're going to have to chop it off? All right. What, is it? what in the bag she gave you? She didn't give me a bag. <laughs> Melanie was not a part of the plan. Oh, no, we can get through the rock. No worries there. Easiest thing in the world. Why would we just blow right through it? Ten ought to do it, don't you think? You think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. So, Travis, every week, Robert De Niro is asking us what's in... And he comes by every week to say the same stuff into the microphone. So nice of him. I call him Bobby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, um, Mr. Bobby. And, and you know, this nice lady comes to, like, do do the little dialogue with him. I... I don't know if they're ever going to answer the question. You know, the first time it was like, oh, interesting. I guess this is like a mini serial and we're going to get the answer next week. Right. But, I mean, we've got one of these left and I, I don't really know if he's going to. And also, yeah. I don't know who Melanie is. Like, thank you, Pam Greer, for coming in, too. Yeah. Um, really appreciate the autograph, especially. But thank you, Pam. I, yeah. I, I'm just befu- Did I miss, like, was I not there for that pre-production meeting? I just don't know if we're going to get answers we to did. These. Things. We we did uh, we discluded you on purpose. Oh, they don't. Oh wow, like your current views on the trends in stand-up comedy. So, oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, it's, well that's awkward. awkward. Yeah. What do I need to do? What do I need to like? Do I need to retract my my thesis? You need to call Brian Regan and tell him you're sorry. I think. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, you get on that, well, and I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into this this episode. Okay, here. does that sound yeah. okay to you? Yeah, I'll I'll be back. Okay, great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the section we call hatching the plan, which is our intro to the film, and this is a interesting little bugger. Um, JCVD, all caps, 2008. That's the name of the movie and the name of the man at the center. Jean-Claude Van Damme, if you're not, I mean, I feel like everybody's somewhat aware of who Jean-Claude Van Damme is, but he is a kickboxing, talented martial artist, actor in uh, a whole (laughs) slew. Was that italicized? (laughs) There was an ellipsis before it, I think, yeah. Um, In a whole slew of action films dating back to like the very early 80s um and he's hugely popular internationally he is um let's see like of late i'm sure he's has he been in one of those expendable movies he has to have been right yeah i think he turned down one of the roles in one of them and nice. then was so i think he turned down the role for two and no, then no, i he's think he's in, in the third uh, one he's in two he must have, oh he's in two he must have not done the first one because <laughs> this yeah. is his credit in the Expendables two, he plays villain. That's his name. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, this is a stony jawed uh, Belgian fellow, um, and he is not known for his acting chops. He's known for his physical prowess, and uh, this movie really does everything it can to kind of upend that understanding. The director is uh, Mabruk El Meshri. Is that how we're going to agree to? I don't care. Sure. If, sure. Yeah. Um, who is 
definitely green at this point. He's he's not done a feature film other than something called Virgil in 2005, which looks like a low-budget flick. So this is his first like big boy movie, and um, we'll get we'll get to talking about what what that bears itself out. But Justin. Uh, I assume, like it is mine, that this was your first time watching JCVD. That's a big fat correct Mundo, sir. I remember when the trailer for this was, it was limited release, I think, yeah. in uh, our area of California. So I think some of the theaters maybe, uh, let's pull back the veil a little bit, um, in the Bay Area where we were. <gasps> He's zeroing in. Um, it's like that scene in, in a in a spy thriller where like they're like, <laughs> yeah. The camera's... Zooming in more. What do they always say? They always say enhance, 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 and it just zooms in in perfect clarity, no matter what the distance is. Do you know what they say in the Marvel movies? What do they say? He's in the hex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So anyway, uh, I I think because of our location, we were privileged to get some limited uh, releasing of this movie in '08, and this was definitely in the Dome Theater. Do you remember the Dome Theater? Was it really? Yeah, I, I, it is no longer. No, that is sad. It's gone. Yeah, the Dome Theater was this uh, this little art, not an art house. Okay, it was a theater for foreign films and wide release stuff and yeah. just limited releases. So it was this yeah. like old school, funky retro dome structure. There was this huge dome in the middle and then some like kind of sub buildings attached to it and around it but uh that yeah that like many theaters of its ilk um has gone by the wayside i guarantee you this played at the dome theater and maybe nowhere else yeah i I would believe it um for or maybe like one theater in san francisco proper sure um but yeah so i remember the trailer and remember thinking oh that looks really interesting and you know being a little younger at the time i thought you know maybe this really will have something um, so uh, unfortunately after watching the movie, I think it has a little less than it would like to think that it does, but the trailer is good though. I remember like, I, I, I yeah. and I'm just remembering it now that you mentioned it. Cause I definitely saw the trailer. I don't know if we talked about it. This would have been around the time where we started like hanging out and, and talking about yeah. movie nerd stuff. But I, I remember seeing the like DVD cover at Blockbuster, uh, and it's this like stony kind of, um, grayish hue sepia looking Jean-Claude Van Damme he just looks old you know like and it's clearly what they're going for is like I don't know about washed up but like he looks like he's seen some stuff right and it's just his face right in front and JCVD and nothing else right and the trailer I remember played like I'm pretty sure they cut in like him fighting with people and whatever but at the same time you got this sense that like this is not a kick punch uh, blast the music kind of an affair is that the uh, impression you got of? Yeah, of definitely. It? And I think there was, there might have been. Some, and we could just be making up our own trailer here, for all I know. But I, I think seem to recall some of his uh, soliloquy that's given to the camera. Yeah. being in the trailer and thinking, what, what is going on with Mr. Van Dam? Yeah. And, I feel uh, like that might have been voiceover in it or something, but now we're just making our own trailer in our heads. But right, and then there was a bear that <laughs> stood up, and it was really cool. There's lots of Belgian chocolates. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's directed by Mabruk El Meshri, um, written by him. It's a scenario by Mabruk El Meshri, and then in <laughs> collaboration with Frederic Benudis. So I don't know what that means. So I, I think that one of those guys might have been. Is one of them also a producer? That's going to be really boring to hear us talk about that. But I, uh, I, I, I recall that one one person, not the director, I think. Um, asked said van damme you have to play yourself in a movie you gotta promise me that we're gonna we're gonna get you in a film where you play a fictionalized version of yourself and so i think he may have birthed that idea okay this is the weirdest set of writing credits there's scenario by one guy in collaboration with another guy adaptation by the director again and then original idea and original idea by two other dudes and then finally, writer, fifth person, Christoph Turpin. I don't know. I don't know what this must wow. have been like. A bunch of dudes who were like, "This would be so cool," except in in you know their their most European voices. Yes, <laughs> uh, uh, that would be c'est cool. Yeah, right. So yeah, yeah, that's what they said. Anyway, this is JCBD. It's definitely got heist elements uh, to mm-hmm. it. 
Uh, it, it's billed as an action comedy crime movie. I would argue that it's trying most often to be a drama more than anything else. Um, I would agree. But that's what it is, and we're about to find out what that heist entails, what the story entails, and if any of it is any good in this next section we call The Goods. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. I want to take over his operation, and I need you to help me break it. What do do to me, eh? I've got Jessel's money. I thought it was understood that when it came to our little enterprise, Mom was the word. And if we care to comment on our sound cues this episode, we might as well. Um, I don't know what your feelings are on the Coen Brothers version of The Lady Killers, but man, uh, Tom Hanks makes me very happy most of the time. And that that pull that pull clip that we have in there where he's like, "Mom is the wood," <laughs> is just uh, it warms the cockles of my heart. Um, the line that I appreciate most from that movie is, "I left my wallet in El Segundo," <laughs> and it's. It gets better every time it's said. I yeah, I think that one. Um, I, I, I yeah, let's talk about the Coen Brothers for no reason. But I think that one gets a little bit better the more I watch it, rather than you know how other movies age age the other yeah. way. But uh, anyway, yeah. Back to JCVD, Justin. Give the folks a plot summary. What is this sucker about? Oh boy. Well, it has a really weird kind of uh, point of view dilemma. Almost, I'll say. Um, but the the basicness of it, I think, is that uh, Mr. Jean Claude is portrayed as uh, perhaps not at the top of his game. He can't seem to get parts in movies that he wants to be a part of. Um, he's not doing well financially. He's in a custody battle over his daughter, and so uh, for whatever reason, he goes back to uh, Belgium, where he is from in real life and in this movie, and. Um, there is a lot of there's a lot of blurring of you know the the real Jean Claude from the the semi fictionalized one in this movie. I, I think it's interesting just how much overlap is there. You know, at one point his his parents I I don't know I assume they're not his real parents. I assume they're actors. But uh, his his parents in this movie at least come in and and Van Dam is Van Dam's stage name, um, and so it's like Van. Vanderberg or something. I don't remember yeah. what it is. Sorry. Sorry, Jean-Claude fans. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's just interesting that there's there's a certain level of detail paid to him in reality. Um, but then it and and I think maybe to the detriment of the film, it doesn't always marry up yeah. because uh, there's some very as I'll get into or try to get into in just a second here. There's some very disparate kind of tonal inconsistencies. And in one one point, you maybe are ready to laugh and then. You do laugh, and then you think, "Was I supposed to laugh?" And then it becomes an exercise in existentialism. Yeah. Anyway, so he gets back to Belgium and uh, and you know uh, goes into a post office to get money because I guess that's what they do in Belgium: wire transfers. Um, and uh, then, unfortunately, he's involved and in, uh, he's taken hostage by some some robbers, and uh, they're trying to do a heist. However, they're all extremely incompetent mm-hmm. uh, and not really sure what they're doing. Uh, and, and so, yeah, the gist is him essentially trying to, uh, I don't know if we necessarily need to give the whole plot, but he, uh, is trying to get, get out of there. And and it's an interesting again, because it, to the movie's credit, Van Damme being this muscular guy, even though he's middle-aged or whatever at this point, and, and, you know, having international stardom, he's not really any more able to help than, than anyone else there. You know, this is not like... There's lots of Steven Seagal jokes in this movie, but there's no... Uh, what's that Steven Seagal movie, Travis, where he's like the cook on the ship, but he used to be a Navy SEAL? Under Siege, I think. Is the one yeah, <laughs> Under Siege. Okay. So yes, uh, even though he is a hostage, this movie is not called Under Hostage, and Van Damme is not at all in any position to help these people break out. So it gives a real kind of... Because, I mean, in reality... That that would be the case, right? It doesn't matter how big your biceps are. Um, yeah. If people have guns pointed to your head and to the point of uh, or held to the heads of other innocent people, um, you know, you kind of uh, to a certain point need to kind of go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it, it's interesting. It uh, to Van Damme's credit and to the script's credit, I think what it does well is paints him as a sympathetic and a likable guy. Yeah. Um. And and to Van Damme's credit too, he does some some real acting here. This is not Street Fighter, 
um, you know, or or whatever, really, you know, what what's kind of the worst material that Van Damme's been given to work with? Unfortunately, I think he's had more than his fair share. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm sure it's not like it's forced upon him, right? He, he signs and, and gets a check. So yeah. I'm not trying to say I feel like bad for him, but it, it is interesting because I see this movie and I think, well, the, at, at the end of it, I think, you know, this guy really had some, and he still does, I think have some acting potential. Um, and it's just interesting to me that he hasn't quite found that good marriage and, and maybe he's not interested in it. I, I don't know, you know? Um, but it, it's interesting to me that he hasn't found that marriage with with a director that's you know maybe maybe more experienced or has a stronger vision. Um, be, because when we watch this movie, Travis, I don't know about you, but the the kind of color scale that's used and the weird vignette that's over everything, and the way that this movie is is shot, um, which tends to be very chaotic at times is n- none of those things are in service to the movie. And to me, they all take away from what I think they the filmmakers thought was going to bring about a more a, a more of a gut punch or or put you in a different state of mind or something but to me it's all it all distracts to the detriment of what could be a stronger story yeah i mean uh, you use the word juxtaposition and basically like you know he gets caught in the middle of something he is publicly himself like right like he goes back to belgium which is where he's from after being in, you know, assumed, you know, Hollywood, even if he didn't like live there full time, he he's been in Hollywood making Hollywood films. And among other things, he comes back to Belgium in this story in his hometown or home country, at least love him. And um, the look of it is it's hard to say anything other than like, Post 9-11, which is one of Justin's favorite phrases, just post anything, you know, anytime, <laughs> everything is post something and, and pre something else. But anyway, in, in let's say early to mid aughts filmmaking had a very specific sheen to it. Um, I feel like as soon as digital filmmaking started becoming the norm, and I don't know that this was shot on digital or film, it's probably digital by the look of it, but um it, color grading was like people were like we can do this instantly on the computer and probably have more options and so like there's just this like yeah like glossy veneer to the whole thing that's like kind of sepia in color palette but also like like vignette like i told i think you over text or something it looks like vaseline on the lens almost um and it's definitely yeah. an attempt at stylization the the overall like taste in my mouth from this was like it very much feels like it's wanting to be like Tarantino when he's cool. You know what I mean? Like down to a few key things, but like there's humor mixed in with some brutal violence. It's not, you know, an ultra violent violent film by any means, but like, you know, you see people get like straight up shot to death. You see people you know, and physical altercations and, you know, screaming profanity at each other, like all that kind of normal crime film stuff. But at the same time, they do kind of make weird little jokey observations, sort of a la Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, you know, or something like that. It has title cards, which look kind of Tarantino-esque in their execution. And then there's music that is like, not just juxtaposed to all that modern kind of grittier post 9-11 stuff but it's also like funky it's like it's like almost it's almost mancini-esque you know and it's and it's uh horn heaviness and it's i don't know 70s upbeat kind of funky while this stuff's going on like i mean part of the subplots you know that weave their way through this movie is like this this kid is in stuck in this post office bank kind of place and uh he becomes sort of a a point of contention where the cops want to get the kid out, but the, the, the guys who are robbing the place, they need to keep the kid in cause he's their leverage. So like, there's some serious stuff going on here. And then this music just kind of comes in and out at weird times. Overall, it just, it's a confused movie. You know what I mean? Like it starts yeah. out with like a, uh, a movie shoot that Jean-Claude Van Damme is, you know, working his way through and you get to see him do some of his kind of classic, like kind of awesome, you know, martial arts choreography stuff. And then that like morphs into a scene where he just like walks off the set and goes and talks to a director about how he's unhappy. 
you get to see a custody battle kind of courtroom sequence where they're they're trying to take away I think his custody because of whatever reason um, they don't really say they don't say he you know was abusive or irresponsible it's just for, for some reason they're getting a divorce or whatever the daughter doesn't really want to live with it's just so there's some real like drama stuff mixed in here and then he gets caught up in the middle of a heist and that's just where the movie really lives and overall I mean we can break it up into aesthetic we can talk about the narrative structure right which has to do with those title cards and the kind of bouncing around chronology uh, chronologically um, and themes and what, what the movie's really saying when we get to our next section. But yeah, for me, Justin, it's, it's, uh, it's a confused little duck of a movie because the director's seemingly, uh, trying really hard to like squeeze every ounce of style into it. And right. yet, like, if you're going to do juxtaposition, it has to, it has to like, they have to complement each other. Can't just be a juxtaposition that yes. feels completely alien, you know. Um, so totally agree. Yeah, we have. Uh, I want to ask you. Uh, this is a series of questions, Justin. We'll play a little game here, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna give you. Uh, I wrote them down. The four title cards that come up in this movie, and uh, this is me making a comment about how it's a little bit less smart than it thinks it is. But I want you to give me your best interpretation whether it's like true and you were like no no no, i got that one i understood it it spoke to me or if it was nonsense uh you can just make something up that's fine um so here's uh title card number one which comes up a few minutes into the film it says one the answer before the question well justin what does that mean D- didn't know then still don't know now okay number two uh, time and the hour runs through the roughest day. And that one has really weird, like, um, E.E. E. Cummings-esque, like, yeah. capitalization. Or, you know, like, some like every other word is capitalized, but n- not in a sensical way. So what, what, what does that one mean? Don't know. Okay, number three. Uh, stone falls on egg. Egg breaks. No duh. And number four. Egg falls on stone. Egg breaks. Again. Duh, no. Yeah, so confused, right? This is a confused movie because if you just take those title cards out or do some other transition, it's not even that the out of sequence thing bothers me the most. It's 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 that the the heft of what it's trying to get me to buy into isn't really there. I, I totally agree, man. Um, when you brought up the the title cards, they just they. This director has. I've read an interview with him that he said he's very influenced by Jean Luc Godard, the you know French director that did Breathless and yeah um, a gazillion other movies, um, and and some of which are obviously very good and and worldwide revered. I think the difference is this. What what I think is this guy really likes Godard. This guy really likes Tarantino, but he's not. He's his own man. And and I think it takes some some self insight maybe to go, okay, I really like these guys, and I really like the title card thing is a total. I mean, I guess Tarantino has done things like that too, right? But um, that seems mo- more to me like a more Godard kind of influence, and and this it's just it makes no sense. Jean Luc Godard can do that, or Tarantino in certain instances can do that because it's in their DNA. And it's to the service of the story, and it's just it's how they communicate, right? Yeah. But I, I don't speak Armenian, so I'm not going to um, just like go on Google Translate or whatever and just try to speak to you in bad Armenian right, right. now because it's not my language. And so, um, however weak that analogy may be, I feel like that's what that's a, sort of like what um, Mabruk is trying to do. In that he's like, I really like these guys. I really like when you know this director did this thing. So I'm going to replicate it because I really like them, and and it it just fails because he, that's not in his DNA. Yeah. You know. And honestly, after watching this movie, I don't know totally what's in this guy's DNA. I I hope that it's the stuff that really works. I would like to think it's the the funnier parts that um, you know. Excuse me, a little podcast burp there. Hope you caught it. Bonus. You uh, call in right now, and you 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 tell us that you heard the podcast burp, and we'll send you a, a Tums. Okay, good deal. Yeah, uh, no, Bob. No, Mr. Newhart, no. that's not for you. You stay just on stay line. on hold. Yeah. 
Um, no, so you know, I I just it's it's a bummer to me because I I do think obviously this guy can make a movie. It wasn't incoherent. We understood what was going on. I think this guy probably has a lot of potential, and and hopefully he's done some some great work since or is going to. But um, it just it, and and not just the title cards, but like you said, the music. Especially when he's in the taxi at the beginning, when he's come to Belgium, yeah, and it's not just like bow chicka bow wow, but it's like bow chicka bow. I left my home in Memphis City. Yeah, there, you know, it's there's like, some needle drops what? in this thing that are really like questionable. Like the movie opens with, um, is it like Roberta Flack or something? It it's it's like yeah, it's hard hard times. It's that song, living hard times in this crazy. What is yeah. Are we trying to say that he has is fallen on hard times? Because if so, that's right. just really on the nose, and it's just it's so weird. And there's a few of those, but it's also the incidental music. You know, that's just like, oh yeah, what? Uh, what what worked then, Justin? I mean, like you said, some of the comedic stuff worked for you. I mean, I I didn't hate this movie. I I, I didn't. I wasn't in pain watching mm-hmm. it, but yeah. I was just kind of like, kind of squinting, like, huh? Like <laughs> that was my general feeling. Yeah. No, so what worked for me is is really minor stuff. It's unfortunately a little bit. Well, it's not quite this bad. I was going to use the the analogy of, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams getting the small stuff in Star Wars, his Star Wars movies, right? Yeah, and then just missing the big picture. Yeah, no. it's not quite that dire. I don't think that's really unfair to this this movie. Let's I think. not compare him to J.J. Abrams. I don't don't even get me started on J.J. Abrams. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's not do that. Um. You know, here's your pacifier, sir. Thank you. Uh. You're, um. Good. So. It, to me, the stuff that works is the human-to-human interactions, like John claude in the taxi with the taxi driver. That's and good. to this film, yeah, like you never even see the taxi driver, in, in that scene at least. And uh, I, I thought that was great, you know? She's like, you, you know, berating him, like, how dare you be an a-hole to me, you know? And even though he's not, he's just kind of a guy, like, I had a bad day, I'm sorry, you know? Yeah. And and so it's a really interesting time to kind of learn like okay Van Damme at least this version of him is not some you know jerk he really does have a conscience and he does care what people think about him and he wants to be nice to people but he's also going through hard times nah. as we're made painfully aware and you know just the stuff with the goofy guys in the uh, in the video store oh probably a good time to note listeners if you want to watch this movie I you might have to to buy it if yeah. you really if you really want to which i can't necessarily recommend but the if you try to watch this like on amazon or um you rent it on youtube or anything yeah it's it's dubbed okay so yeah. you and you won't notice that because in the first scene jean-claude is speaking in english to the director who's you know getting translated from whatever language they are speaking in and then uh but by the time you get to belgium where they're supposed to be speaking french um, at least in this movie, I understand, you know, I don't need all the hate mail about there's multiple languages spoken in Belgium, please. But pr- primarily, <laughs> they um, speak French in this original right. movie. So yeah, that's what it is. Uh, and, 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 but in the dubbed version, they speak English and it's a horrible dubbing. Uh, is so, there so such when, a thing as a good dubbing? Let's just, I mean, I, I think there is for some of the old Kung Fu movies that you and I like watching. Well, it's got to be so bad that it's good. That's right. The, yeah. This is just bad that it's painful and yeah. it's still bad. And if, if egg drops on stone, stone drops on record that's producer it. who is dubbing breaks building and where we go. Some, yeah. some yeah. have come out of the movie. Yeah. That's you know, it. I think that's pretty clear. Um, so yeah, it just, do yourself a favor. If you're going to watch this movie, you gotta, I I think if you're really that interested in John, in the, in this concept, I'm going to guess that subtitles are not going to make or break it for you. Yeah. And, uh, and after our glowing review here, people are going to be like, I have got (laughs) to seek this out. No, you know, we ended up doing, we were fully willing to like buy it or rent it or something, but like, I couldn't even find a version to buy that wasn't dubbed. So we ended up finding some rando link to it that was not dubbed and it wasn't like amazing quality. It wasn't like 1080p or anything, but it was like, okay, it was like watchable. And the original audio was in there, which was, I think, a perfectly acceptable trade-off in this case. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And, you know, it it is an interesting movie. I think this is, maybe this is leaping ahead a little bit, so I'll just try to keep this to a sentence, but... This is probably a movie, if you're really, if, <laughs> okay, this is probably very small on the Venn diagram, the person that fits into this spectrum. But Let's see what it is. If, 
if you're if you're interested in Jean Claude Van Damme, and and but you also wanted to answer the question, but can he actually really act? Yeah. And do yeah, then, yeah. then this is the movie for you. In the Venn diagram, the overlap is like so small that like there's some guy named Phil that's just like that's me, and he's the one guy inside of yeah. that Venn diagram. And Phil, and Phil, this it's is for, for you, you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, this is for you, man. Um, okay, so some stuff that I thought was interesting and of note. Nothing in this movie made me go like, holy cow, that was amazing. There wasn't one <laughs> moment like that. But I think I think all the acting is good. Um, even the the you know the B characters, some people who are just sort of incidental. Like, there's a is he like a police commissioner or something? Yeah, he, yeah. He's really good. the The robbers are perfectly good. They 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 at least sell the fact that they're like way in over their heads which is interesting to some degree yeah all the hostages feel like real people there's this one uh kind of doofusy robber who's part of the gang who like makes Jean-Claude Van Damme kick a cigarette out of a guy's mouth to show his like roundhouse kick ability or whatever but I do think it's like the meta stuff is so uh, heavy-handed, right? So, like, the the, yeah. the guys who first see Jean-Claude on the street before he goes into the post office, they work at a video store, and they're, like, watching... What are they watching? Are they watching, like, some Denzel movie, or... Uh, I don't know what yeah. they're watching. Sorry. Some, like, stereotypical action flick, like a Seagal movie or something like that. So, the police end up, like, communicating to the hostage situation from inside of a video store, which is, like, a clearly calculated move, you know, from the director and writer and whatever. Right. W- one of those director collaborated by story by one of those people. Um, the other thing that we already kind of alluded to, which is probably the most compelling sequence in the movie, and, you know, I've heard other actors, like, in interviews, like, at press junkets and stuff, that I've heard people, like, praise this movie and particularly the monologue sequence right or you called it a soliloquy because it is like a complete break of the fourth wall he's in this room with these hostages stuck there and then he just starts rising up like on some kind of unseen platform and he goes above the set of this post office and you just see like you know lights and rigging stuff behind him and then he delivers this very personal heartfelt monologue about being Jean-Claude Van Damme and like, how did I get to this moment and where things went wrong? And like, it is interesting. You know, it is, it is kind of what the movie could have been. I don't, I don't want like an hour and a half of all that, but it is good in the, in, in the way that the whole movie could have been really good. Um, and Jean-Claude shows a little bit of uh, some some chops there i think or at least some real even if it's not acting chops it's like i believe him you know what i mean like i yeah, believe that yeah. that guy feels that way i don't think he's just putting on a face so it seems like like a deeply personal story like i i can see why he'd want to do this movie justin yeah i can too and and I, that that soliloquy monologue that to me that is the the centerpiece of the movie um that is what what made it kind of worth watching. Um, I, you know, I think w- even though it doesn't land totally right, because I I distinctly recall listening to him say the things that he said, and then when he gets to the near the end, he it's like I hope I don't die in this post office or something, and I and it totally took me out yeah. because it's like no, you don't need to don't bring us back to this movie. Because nothing in this movie has been as good as what you're saying. Yeah. And really, whether or not it, it even fits in the movie, I really don't care. Because you can... He was... Like you said, I, I, I believe him. Um, either yeah. either as a person or as an actor. Or both. Um, and, and so I feel like it would have been... Maybe some potential was missed for, for that being stronger. Just to just to keep it even separate. Just to keep yeah. it sacred from, from the rest of the movie. Don't reference, you know... Um, uh, going back to the post office, just just reference going back to a movie, you know, um, or or don't even do that. Yeah, and then just descend back in. The other the other thing that I thought was kind of of note, and it's really like a it's just a crumb of something. But the, those video store guys before they have their encounter with with JCVD, they're watching this action flick and just kind of talking about like oh i kind of look like this guy in the movie and uh, don't you like this movie and that just like some chit chat kind of stuff 
and they are uh, obviously of like some kind of Middle Eastern ethnicity or whatever. And the one guy makes a comment about like bad guys in the movies or something, right? And he says like, well, in the seventies, it was it was always Viets, and in yeah, uh, and now it's always Arabs, right? Um, And I think like that is that's a place where like the post 9-11 nature of this movie and the way that it feels and looks and sounds, it actually tries to say something interesting because, you know, that's so clearly the case. If you watch any, you know, again, like born identity bond post 9-11, even like Iron Man, right? Like Iron Man came out as the first big Marvel studios movie. And it's like, who are the, the bad dudes or what's the bad situation he's caught up in? It's like, you know, middle Eastern terrorism, um, and so there's definitely a depiction thing going on. And then if I'm not mistaken, the one hostage who, after, you know, most folks make it out of this thing, uh, the one hostage who runs out and gets tackled by police cause they don't really know what's going on and they're trying to figure it out. He's like, I'm a hostage. I'm a hostage. What are you doing? And that guy is like, you know, the one middle Eastern looking dude who is stuck in that room. Uh, yeah. so there's, you know, there's some purposeful, some kind of current of something there, but they don't really, they don't really do a whole lot with it, Justin. No, it's, it's not a deep dive at all. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, kudos for, for yeah. going there. Like you don't, you know, this movie, it's not really expected, even though it's this meta kind of whatever. Um, but it, you know, it's kind of the similar thing I think w- with the daughter, right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, fathers and daughters. That's a that's a topic that's never going to get old for storytelling, and you're never going to mine the depths of that. You know, um, and and that goes for any relationship. Right. Uh, mo- mothers and sons, fathers and sons. I'm not trying to say it's something exclusive to fathers and daughters. Just to say that 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 any trauma or dysfunction in that kind of relationship is ripe for any genre sure. of movie, really. And so it's a bummer that we don't get more. Because um, I I think if I think this is my this is what I think Travis uh, this this movie doesn't know what its heart is yeah and and the heart of this movie it, it doesn't exist because it's supposed to be about Van Damme and his daughter yeah and and the tension there and just wanting to make things right or something but instead it's just like Van Damme had a bad day Van Damme got in a heist yeah. uh then Van Damme's daughter comes back in the end oh by the way she was in the beginning and it's not so, so like in the very end when he's in jail right for uh for extorting the government so much money they tried to pay off to his lawyers in the custody battle or something like that yeah um you know his daughter comes to visit him in the last scene and it's obvious that he's he's moved by that, that she would, you know, she's t- said in the courtroom in the beginning, she's embarrassed by dad. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's like she's actually, she's coming of her own volition. Or, I mean, that's kind of what we're led to believe. It's not like it's really spelled out. That's kind of my take on that. And and then he just, they both say hi to each other, you know, and he's he's kind of choked up. To me, that that's a great that's a great ending scene for a different movie yeah. that actually explored that relationship and earned that. But as such, it's like they sit down and say nothing, and it's like that that's this movie. Yeah, that's you know, it. yeah. They they say hi to each other, and that's you know, except for Van Damme's soliloquy monologue, that that's most of the movie. We don't really the criminals don't really say anything about like, hey, what's our plan? They they don't freaking know. Yeah. Uh, the police are like, who's in there? They don't really know what's going on. Van Damme's parents, hey, what are you doing, son? Yeah. Nobody has answers for anything. Nobody's really got impetus um, in this movie, and so I I think that without a real center, which this movie doesn't have, it just kind of swirls around interesting meta discourses and some interest, like you mentioned about you know. Um, how are how are people of Middle Eastern descent viewed in a post nine eleven world? Mm-hmm. Uh, there I go with my catchphrase. Um, you know, but that's all that's all we get, and so um, it's it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I think uh, the one uh, supporting character um, that maybe can, was pretty consistently interesting to watch because he has a bit more to do. Um, I I can't even tell you his name because like the credits for this movie are as uh, mystifying to find as the movie <laughs> itself. There's names and there's character names, but they're not real character names. They're things like client video club, uh, uh, lots of French words that I don't know. Tech technician telecom that must be like phone worker person. 
Uh, and then, but none of the pictures are there on IMDb. So like, these are obviously like not huge, you know, mega stars or anything, but the guy, the main guy, uh, who's the robber who kind of tries to run the show when things go awry with the weird hair. Okay. So that guy, okay. Um, is I think a good presence on screen and I immediately pegged him for a, an aesthetic like analog of, a character from another heist movie. So if you've never seen it, it is a uh, classic uh, directed by uh, Sidney Lumet, Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino, okay? Hmm. So this is a bank robbery movie from 75. It's like, it's it's very good, but that's not what we're here to talk about. This actor in this movie, John Cazale, he has this really weird receding hairline and long hair combination, almost like uh, if you think Anton Chigurh, uh from No Country, but with less hair in the front, he has that same exact like hairstyle, and it's so odd that I think it must be some kind of little nod. But I bring that up, Justin, because I just want to read you a thing which I found fascinating. John Cazale, who played the character in Dog Day Afternoon, who the guy in this movie looks just like, essentially, this guy has. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He has eight acting credits. Okay, he also did cinematography for something and editor for something. But he's an actor, and he didn't live all that long. He lived from 1935 to 1978, so he obviously died young. But um, listen to his credits, Justin. Okay, so John Cazale. He was in a short called The American Way. Don't know what that is. He was in one episode of a TV show called NYPD, which is probably just a like procedural from back in the day. So listen to these film credits, Justin. This is going to blow your mind. Are you ready to have your mind absolutely <laughs> yeah, blown? Okay. Give me cerebral hemorrhage time. You're not going to guess the first one, but here dude, it is. Dude, is it The Godfather? Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Let's pretend like this isn't the third time I've had to redo this. Okay, yes. Sorry. Dude, he played Fredo in The Godfather, 1972. It's supposed to be, you know, a, a pretty okay movie. Uh, he was in Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, which has our, our good uh, friend Gene Hackman. He's not really a good friend, but I'd love him to be our good He's friend. He's a great friend. Yeah. Uh, and then he was in The Godfather Part Two, 1974. And then he was in Dog Day Afternoon in 1975. He was in some TV miniseries called The Godfather Saga. I don't know what that was, but I'm assuming it's some kind of spinoff thing of the godfather and he played fredo again and then he was in the deer hunter in 1978 and then he died and i i assume or he just stopped making movies altogether i didn't i didn't look that up but that dude had a crazy run godfather conversation godfather 2 dog day afternoon another godfather thing and then the deer hunter and then he was like uh that's that's it for him he must have died i'll 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 see how did he die yeah he was ill with cancer while he filmed the deer hunter so that sucks but uh, anyway, the guy in JCBD who looks like him is very good, but I do want to ask you about his death scene because it's kind of nuts. Um, he gets shot yeah. in the head because he says something mean about another guy's mommy. Uh, and then he keeps talking for like 15 seconds and then he falls over and there's no blood. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to make of that. Is any of that possible? <laughs> I I think it's just bad stylistic. I mean, weird things happen, right? And probably weirder things have happened. Um, it, I mean, without getting into weird details, I you know, in my limited experience with such things, you you can survive being shot in the head, but usually it just doesn't affect you. Then, like if it didn't if it didn't break your brainstem. And it's just bouncing around in there, you know, it might make you a little goofy or, or, you know, maybe it, it doesn't, maybe it goes around your brain or whatever. But this guy obviously got center punched in the middle of his skull with a bullet. Yeah. Um, it's like, and, it's and, like smoking in the middle too. There's like, there's right. Like and then he's just kind of, he's just kind of mumbling and talking and it's, I, yeah, I, I think you're, you're right, dude. And like, wh what are we supposed to make of that? And, yeah. and I think it's supposed to be like, kind of again it's like um man i i'm not trying to be mean but it's like it's like weak tarantino like yeah. it it just doesn't it doesn't have a punch at all it's just like it's kind of weird that the guy is still standing up and you it's kind of so like the thing in in pulp fiction right where they like the guy turns around in the car and the gun accidentally goes off and then they have to like yeah. clean the brains off the seat and like they make all right. these jokes about it and you know that works better because we don't we don't even watch that happen. We just watch the aftermath of it, and it's like a very, 
day in the life of a career criminal kind of thing. And they're, they're trying to, I don't know. I feel like that, that works better because it's not like we're watching the smoke come out of the bullet in his head and he's like babbling. And then I, I don't even like, I, I, that's, I think the point, Justin, where I wrote down, you know, am I supposed to be laughing? Cause I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know either. It didn't make me laugh. Um, but I think it's just cause it doesn't work on screen. I think it's not clear if the, is that supposed to be really dramatic? I mean, it's like you get shot in the middle of your forehead. I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion. The audience expects you will die yeah. unless you're a Marvel character. So I I don't know why why draw that out. Why not just bang and he falls over? Because like you said, it's rather bloodless. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just another kind of quirk of this is an interesting movie for better and for worse. Yeah. And that's just another interesting part. Yeah. Weird, wild stuff. Should we, uh, should we do an autopsy on, on that guy and the whole movie in our, uh, our final section here? I got my buzzsaw. Let's see if it's worth our time, folks. You want about the law or something? No, it's okay. I'm so very sorry. I propose that we consider this matter closed. <laughs> I sure hope you didn't do anything stupid, Jackie. See you when I see you. What do you say, Justin? Was this uh, time served in the slammer worth your time with JCVD? I wouldn't want to be at a slammer with JCVD, not after those kickboxing lessons we see him giving at the end. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe I do want to be in the slammer because I'd like to get free lessons from him, too. <laughs> Did you think it was a little weird, though? Okay, so, like, this movie made some good, like we mentioned, some good comments about, you know, race and ethnicity, even though they're not really investigated. Hey, at least it said something. But in the end, he's in jail in Belgium, or prison. It's not really, you know, he's he's confined in Belgium, guys. That's what matters. And, you know, you would think um, the people that are confined in Belgium are probably going to be speaking French. But he's giving lessons in English. And the one black guy there is like in perfect American English. Well, what if he comes at me with a knife? And it's like, <laughs> what happened what? to the racial sensitivity? And like, you know, and just, what is this it, guy doing here? Like, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So that was a little odd to me. Um, but uh, be that as it may, again, if you're gonna watch this movie, you got to either be us or Phil. I don't <laughs> really see this having much appeal. Um, g- generally speaking, it's it's a weird, odd movie. And and I'm not I'm not disappointed that I watched it, but I'm also not really moved. I'm not gonna watch it again. I might watch the soliloquy again, um, just to remind me that Jean Claude is is capable of acting and uh, maybe you know because with like he's still making movies right, and they still tend to be the kind of straight to video kind of I don't that's not a thing anymore straight to streaming whatever yeah um kind of you know, deals, which are, it's kind of a bummer because I see this and I go, well, maybe this guy really had some potential that's never going to be really investigated. And this is as close as we get. There's almost, uh, you know, I think an unintended meta thing that is interesting here, which is what you just said, right? Like this movie is swinging very hard for the fences at saying, look at him. You know, the poster says it with that close-up of his kind of old, gnarled face uh, and his his acronym, the, the acronym of his, uh, his initials, rather, in big block letters. Um, but it's, it's almost like you were never going to get a Scorsese or somebody that seasoned and deft right. to do a movie like this. But for it to work, you almost need that level of, uh, yeah. like artistic you know hand to make it work so it's a confused movie that is pretty enjoyable to watch from beginning to end because it's not overly long it doesn't do the like you know smell your own scent pretentiousness thing but it also isn't nearly as smart as it kind of postures itself as being like nothing in the movie like justin said nothing in the movie rises to the height literally and metaphorically of of Jean-Claude in the monologue sequence and you might get a chuckle here and there from some of the situational stuff you might enjoy um it's kind of tense you know you're kind of waiting to see what happens with the hostage situation and all that but none of that is like Michael Mann's heat level uh edge of your seat stuff 
None of the funny stuff is anywhere near the height of a really great Tarantino scene or something like that. And um, in the end, I, I have a very simple, you know, summation, which is stone falls on egg, egg breaks. Egg falls on stone, egg breaks. And the broken egg here um, is us. And uh, I won't ever watch this oh. again. <laughs> I won't ever watch this again uh, because it's it's like what I said about Frankenstein many episodes ago. Like, everybody should watch it once. Um, you can watch it once, but not everybody should watch it once. Phil can watch <laughs> it once. We can watch it once. And if you're listening to this and you think, hmm, uh, that sounds remotely interesting to me. You can watch it once, but other than that, I think uh, I think it's it's not necessarily worth your time. It's it 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 was so worth your time to listen to us talk about it. it way worth. Oh your time. yeah, like yeah, no contest. But watching the movie better than so Shakespeare. Better than Shakespeare. All right. Well, we are bringing our heist series to a close here before we jump into the forties. Um, and next week we have a pretty popular flick. I think it made a bunch of money. I haven't seen it yet. Justin has. What is it, Justin? Baby Driver. Zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. Edgar Wright directs Baby Driver. Um, and we are uh, excited to finish out this series. We hope you'll join us for that. And uh, I think we'll see you next week. Farewell. The movie speaks. Hey, since you're still here and still listening, thank you, by the way, we'd like to ask an additional favor of you. We have social media. It's a thing on the internet. And all you need to do is find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and like and subscribe. I know this is annoying, but we have to ask you because we want more people to hear the show. In addition to that, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, we would greatly appreciate it. See you next week. Bye.